<laughs> Genesis 19 again. <laughs> and that new grandbaby hasn't come. Yeah, I know. We're praying it'll come sooner, that poor lady. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> and what an encouragement. I've been praying for your pastor and his wife, and uh, I didn't anticipate I'd see him this morning, uh, but uh, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. And let's, let's, let's pause and pray, shall we? And Heavenly Father, thou hast been gracious to Pastor Stevens and, and in his recovery and, and allowing him, giving him strength to be here today and, and his desire to stay the whole day. Um, truly, thou art a gracious God. And we thank you for answering our prayers. And we continue to pray. And we think of Hezekiah who laid in his bed and turned his face to the wall and wept. And thou didst come, send the prophet, and said, 15 more years, 15 more years. Uh, thou art able to work exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so we give you thanks this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> there are many forms of abuse, as you're well aware, in this day in which we live. And uh, my father said that his sons only knew how to abuse the equipment because we ran our tractors wide open as fast as they would go. And my father said, I spend all my time fixing things because my sons abuse the equipment on the farm. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, but he would not tolerate any form of animal abuse. Um, you, you be careful around the animals. And, and uh, <clears throat> it was interesting that uh, New York State finished a survey chronicling elder abuse. And uh, I don't know how that all fits with the COVID and all of that kind of thing, but eldred abuse as well. But maybe the most atrocious form of abuse is child abuse. Um, in a Christian school, we had to be very careful about bullying because that's a form of abuse. And abortion is a form of abuse. And then later, of course, we hear of, of outright physical and sometimes sexual and verbal abuse of children. However, the abuse of God's mercy, the abuse of God's mercy may be the most common form of abuse that we find in the world today. And so the burden this morning is, the abuse of God's, mer God's mercy. Two weeks ago, we looked at the attributes of God's mercy. And then, uh, I told you, Pastor uh, emailed me on Saturday night, said we're having communion tomorrow. And then I messed up your whole day. And uh, if the Lord allows, I may be here the last Sunday of November 
Um, or maybe, you know, I told pastor, if you have an emergency, I'm available. So, uh, but uh, the last Sunday of November, and we'll have communion again, so I'll mess things up. And, uh, and I see I'm scheduled the last Sunday of December, so I'll mess things up again. <laughs> but uh, you're tolerant people, and that's what I said to my, somebody said, how can you be in one church for 35 years? I said, well, I have tolerant people. I have tolerant people. <laughs> But today, the abuse of God's mercy. And two weeks ago, we saw that uh, in defining the attribute of God's mercy, it is when one is set free. When one is set free. Um, The individual deserves the judgment of God, but is delivered from it. And Lot and his wife here in Genesis chapter 19, were delivered from destruction, as you know that account. They were recipients of God's mercy, but they abused it. So let me read Genesis chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord as he speaks now to you. And there came two angels to Sodom at even. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house and tarry all night and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him and entered into his house, and he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. And then to verse 14, and Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. When the morning arose, then the angels hasted Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my lord. Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. And the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked behind, looked from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. I want you to see the abuse of God's mercy 
It occurs when you argue with God. It occurs when you argue with God. In the news recently, there was a, a report of a fitness spa that had to turn off the TV because those that were working out and so forth were watching the political events and got into arguments. What's worse is when you start arguing with yourself. But what is even more worse, imagine arguing with God. And Peter did so on at least three occasions. So put a marker here in your Bible because we're going to go back and forth three times, all right? So let us go first of all to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And we find Peter arguing with God. And in this particular case, Peter is arguing with ignorance. He's arguing or from ignorance. Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Now look at Peter. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him or argue with him saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Right? We won't read the response and what uh, continues on here, but notice, notice his argument. Be it far from thee. We won't allow it to happen. The people won't allow it to happen. Arguing with ignorance because Jesus came to die. And Peter says, no, 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 I'm going to argue with you about it. He needed to shed his blood so that he could give life to those that believe on his name through the blood. And look at Lot's word. Come back to Genesis 19. Look at verse 18. And Lot said unto them, oh, not so, my Lord. We're going to just, don't look behind the escape to the mountains. And Lot starts arguing. He says, oh, not so. Oh, not so. Um, I cannot escape to the mountain. I will die there. Well, who lived in the mountain? Abraham and all of his host and so forth. But Lot starts arguing, and he's arguing with ignorance or from ignorance. Now come back to Matthew. Look at Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And here we find Peter arguing with insistence. Arguing with insistence. Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 3. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest, which was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might cheat, take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Oh, excuse me, I read the, I, I'm in the wrong place here. I'm going to go to verse 33. I start at verse 3. Verse 33. Matthew 26, 33. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended of thee, yet will I never be offended. 
Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. So what's he doing? He's arguing. He's arguing. In verse 35, Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet I will not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. They're arguing with insistence. Insistence. The emphasis is on the feeling that I am so strong. I am so strong. and I wouldn't deny thee. I, I, I'm in control of things. I am devoted. I am so faithful. I am, you know, I, you, I wouldn't do this. I am important. And this is the argument. This is the argument. And you could add that in this, insistence and importance. I'm not going to deny. I'm not going to deny. And Lot says back in Matthew chapter or in Genesis chapter 19 and verse 20, Behold now, this city is near unto, to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. I'm important. I have found grace in thy sight. Thou hast magnified thy mercy, even. We read that just a few minutes ago. And he's arguing with the angels and with God. I am important. Now go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, we have this passage where Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples and notice the insistence again on the part of Peter. John, Matthew, John chapter 13, beginning at verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Now, let's pause here and just make this comment. Some... I think it's our brethren, the brethren denomination, Grace Brethren and some of those, they believe that this is a practice which should take place before they have a supper and before they have what's called the agape feast, what we would call communion. So they do what we would call foot washing, and they say in uh, verse, uh, where is it, uh, Verse 14, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye ought to wash one another's feet. So is that a command? Well, verse 15, I've given you an example. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. So what he's talking about is serving. That's why we don't practice foot washing. It was an example of Christ's humility and so forth. All right, so that was a little bit of a side. But notice verse 6, then cometh he to Simon Peter, and we could go further and explain more. And Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do though now thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, now notice his insistence. What are, uh, Peter saith unto him, uh, verse 6, wash my feet. Jesus says, you don't know. And in verse 8, Peter saith unto him, thou shalt never wash my feet. See his insistence? 
He's arguing with God. He's arguing with the Lord Jesus. Now come back to to Genesis chapter 19 and notice verse 20. Where Lot says, Behold, now this city is near to flee unto. It is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one and my soul shall live? Arguing. Arguing. Arguing with ignorance. Arguing from my importance. Arguing with insistence. Thou shalt, Peter says, thou shalt never wash my feet. And when you argue with God, you abuse God's mercy. When you argue with God, you're saying, I'm important. I know better. And I wouldn't do this. You're arguing with God. And you're abusing God's mercy. But let's move. How might this occur today? How have you maybe argued with God? How have you abused God's mercy? Most of the time, when we argue with God, or we attempt to argue with God, we are arguing from ignorance. Because Isaiah 55 says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. As the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are your thoughts. We're arguing from ignorance when we argue with God. And, and most of the time we're arguing with ignorance from, from God withholding his judgment for what we deserve. Do you ever think of that? What do we deserve? Wages of sin is death. And when we argue with God, we're arguing and abusing God's mercy. And when we insist upon having our own way. But let's move secondly. The abuse of God's mercy occurs when you take advantage of it. The abuse of God's mercy occurs when you take advantage of it. One of our hired men on the farm Uh, This would have been in the 50s, okay? This would have been in the 50s. He asked if he could use the old farm pickup after payday on Friday night. And at that time, I think he was getting paid $50 a week, plus a house to live in for him and his family. He had uh, four or five children, uh, half a beef a year, all the milk that they could drink, and some other perks. But on payday Friday night, he came to my father, and he rode a bicycle back and forth. The tenant house, the hired man's house, was a mile from the farm. So he rode a bicycle back and forth. He asked if he could use the old farm pickup on Friday night. And my father said, well, yeah, that would be all right. I can understand. You want to go cash your check and get your money, buy your groceries, and so forth. Our farm was located halfway between, those of you from New York State, Kanjahari, where Beech Nut baby food is, and lifesavers, and so forth, and Cobaskill, where Cobaskill Agentech is. Our farm was halfway between. So it was 12 miles one way, 12 miles the other way. Both of those towns had, in the 50s, modern supermarkets, <laughs> okay? Uh, like an A&P or something. Well, the younger ones won't, won't even know what I'm talking about there. <clears throat> so 
On Saturday morning, knowing my father, after the milking was done and the hired man got on his bike and rode back to it, my father went and looked at the odometer on the truck. And he noticed, first of all, that the gas tank was empty. And he noticed also that he had put over 100 miles on the pickup. Now, I don't know the whole story. Maybe they went and visited his parents or her parents or, you know, had other things to do. But 12 miles to and 12 miles back, that's only 25 miles run around and things like that. <clears throat> you see, he was taking advantage, perhaps, taking advantage of permission uh, that had been given to him. And this happens in a practical way. And I got to step on my own to to toes here. This happens in a, you abuse God's mercy when you arrive late. Or you don't keep an appointment or you don't pay your bills on time. Um, and what about Lot? What about Lot? He took advantage of God's deliverance. He took advantage of God's deliverance. Look at the words in verse 19. Lot says, Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed me in saving my life. Saving my life. He took advantage of God's deliverance. I have found grace in your sight. Thou didst magnify thy mercy in saving my life. Now let me feed, flee to the little city instead of the mountains that you asked of me. And here is a person today who thinks, who thinks, and maybe sometime in the future I'll preach a message on being blind, being blind to well, essentially being blind to salvation where the two men went up to pray, one a Pharisee and one a publican. And Pharisee said, look at all I've done, Lord. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm saved. And the publican wouldn't even lift up his eyes. Blind, blind. And some people think, some people think that they're saved. You know, I, I'm sure I have heaven as my home. I've been delivered from sin, so I will continue to live as I lived before. Do you ever think of that? I prayed a prayer, so I'm okay, and I'll just keep on living the way I used to live. Well, if a person is truly saved, what did God give them? Everlasting life. And when does everlasting life begin? Right at that moment. Right at that moment. So there needs to be a change in the life. That's what repentance is. And the person who says, no, 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 I, let me live in a little city. Let me live in a worldly Sodom. And let me live like the world. Let me live in a worldly way. He took advantage of God's deliverance. Secondly, he took advantage of God's delay. Remember this from two weeks ago? In verse 22, the words are almost unfathomable. The angels say... Haste thee, escape thither. Now notice, from the words of God, I cannot do anything until thou become thither. God limits himself. Remember we talked about in the attribute of God's mercy that sometimes there's slowness. 
or there's delay. Um, and sometimes you should do a study in your personal devotions on the patience and the long-suffering of God. Sometimes there's a slowness in God's attributes of mercy. Simply put, he doesn't give us what we deserve when we deserve it. I mentioned that, that there are three kinds of death. There is physical death. There's spiritual death. And then there's the second death. You'll recall that Adam and Eve partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And at that moment, they died spiritually. But Adam lived 900 and some odd years. So he didn't die physically at that moment. He died spiritually. But then he died 900 and some years later, and Eve as well. And of course, the second death is that following the great white throne judgment in Revelation, where the lost are resurrected, the books are opened, and is your name found in the book of life? And if it isn't, the second death, where you're condemned to the Lake of fire, which burns with, lake of fire, which burns, fire and brimstone. Same kind of picture that's seen here. God's going to destroy those cities with brimstone. You know, you're alive today because of God's delay. Did you ever think of that? You're alive today because of God's delay. You were born in sin. You've committed sin. You presently live in sin. And God has delayed. For some of you, especially who are not saved, God has delayed. Don't take advantage of it. Don't abuse his mercy. Don't abuse his mercy. The Bible says today. Today, if you hear his voice, if you hear the spirit of God speaking to you in your heart, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the accepted time. Today, don't abuse God's mercy. Don't abuse God's mercy. Thirdly, abuse occurs when God accommodates your will. Abuse occurs when God accommodates your will. You'll recall that Cain murdered his brother Abel. And what did Cain do? Well, he spoke to God and God said, all right, I'll put a mark upon you and you go out, you're going to be a vagabond in the earth and so forth. You're to live on your own and be a vagabond and not have any established place. And what did Cain do? He went and built a city. He went and built a city. He took advantage of God's mercy. And God accommodated him according to his will for Cain. We don't know how long he lived, but God let him build that city. I want to point out uh, four different wills of men that are found here in this passage with Lot. First is the will of rejection. The will of rejection. And it's very pronounced in this account. The men of the city rejected the angels 
who came to spend the night. The wicked men willingly rejected the opportunity that was given to them. The will of rejection is found in the lives of the sons and sons-in-law of Lot. As Lot goes out and warns them, and they rejected his warning. And the will of rejection, if you are here rejecting God, the will of rejection will damn you, just as it did these individuals in the cities of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. The will of rejection, torment for all eternity. And sadly, Lot's sons and some of his daughters also rejected this call to escape. And look at verse 14, and Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, up, get ye out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Rejection, the will of rejection. I trust that no one is sitting here and has rejected the great call that Jesus gave when he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You can find rest for your soul. Don't reject that. Don't reject that. But a second will here is the will of reluctance. The will of reluctance. And this takes us back to the arguing with God. In verse 18, not so, my Lord. I will not escape to the mountain. I will not go to the place that you intend for me to go. I will not follow your design that you have for me. Reluctance. Reluctance. And interesting in verse 6. While he lingered, they laid hold upon his hands and the hands of his wife and his daughters. Do you see their reluctance? And it's as though, here are the angels. Come on, come on, come on. And they're, well, let's stay a little bit longer here. Let's stay a little bit longer here. Reluctance. And here we find this in the life of someone who says, well, someday... Someday I'll get saved. Someday I'll receive Christ as my Savior. Someday, and who was it in the book of Acts, I believe it is, where one to whom Paul was witnessing said, well, when I have a convenient season, then I'll hear more. Reluctance. Reluctance. And you are abusing God's mercy if that is your will this morning, because you're taking advantage of it. And then thirdly is the will of rebellion. The will of rebellion. And that takes us again back to arguing with God. I'm not going to escape to that mountain. I'll not go to that place where you intend for me to go. I will not do your will. <clears throat> and how many times did this occur in the history of Israel? You remember? They come out of Egypt, they go into the wilderness, God gives them, it changes the bitter water into sweet, he gives them manna, gives them quail, water from the rock, and they come to Kadesh Barnea, they send 12 spies into the land, and the spies come back, and 10 of the spies say, oh, we can't go in there, there are giants in the land, of course, 
Joshua and Caleb said, no, let's go in and take it. But what did the children of Israel say? We will not go in. We will not go into the land. And they died. They died in the wilderness. Their rebellion. And then later, children of Israel said, we want a king so we can be like the other nations that are around us. Oh, living a worldly life is rebellion, is rebellion. And oh, I have a nephew. I have a nephew who at one time was believed he was called to preach. And I tried to encourage him. I'd give him gifts, and I gave him a shepherd's staff that he could put in his room and so he could look at it and, and build a little pulpit and things like that. When he was a senior in high school, he said, I want nothing to do with the Lord. Went and joined the Marines. Still in the Marines today. An act of rebellion. Rebellion. And I don't know his heart. I don't know if he's truly saved. I don't know all that, but he rebelled. He rebelled against God. And so essentially he's living a worldly life in an act of rebellion against God. And then the fourth will is the will of release. The will of release. And this is the abuse of God's accommodation. Remember? Abuse occurs when God accommodates your will. Notice what he says. He says, let me escape to a little city. It is near. It's just a little city. I think I can survive in this little city. And God accommodates him. God accommodates him. What is it that God asks of you? Those of you who are believers, what is it that God asks of you? And if you haven't followed his will, then you're abusing his mercy by following your own will. Your own will. Oh, he may accommodate you. He may accommodate you. He may not, may not strike you dead. He may not bring any sickness into your life. He may not cause financial hardship. He may not do any of those things. But what is he doing? He's accommodating you. He's allowing you to live in a little city. And that city was just as wicked as Sodom and Gomorrah. It was a worldly city. Find this out later. And he allows you, he accommodates you in his mercy. In his mercy. But there's a fourth area, and I need to stop. There's a time when God's mercy is arrested. It's arrested. I was reading a story recently of a man who was arrested in the financial district of New York City. And the de detectives came to his office and they put him in handcuffs and were beginning to lead him out. And his secretary pleaded saying, he's a nice man, he's a gentle man, he's a quiet man. Don't humiliate him by putting him in handcuffs. And I think it might have happened another time this week with the former governor of New York 
state. They didn't put him in handcuffs. And I don't know all the details that are involved there. But you see, this particular man, the, the, the police said of this particular man, no, we need to, we need to confine him because we don't know what he'll do on the way out. He may run or he may become violent or something. So we have to arrest him and put him in handcuffs. So, arrested, hindered, halted, and locked up. What about with God's mercy? God's mercy is arrested for those who are indifferent. Those who are indifferent. Verse 24 is a terrible verse. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Can you imagine such a scene? Look at verse 27 and 28. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And behold, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. Can you imagine such a scene? This is what Abraham saw. But imagine if you lived in one of those cities. God withheld or he arrested his mercy. He didn't accommodate them any further. No mercy. In Revelation 6, you read that in the tribulation period there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth and the moon became as blood and the stars of heaven fell and the heaven departed as a scroll and every mountain and island were moved out of their places and the kings and great men of the earth hid themselves and said to the rocks and to the mountains and the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne for the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand no mercy no mercy God's mercy arrested hindered halted for those who are indifferent but secondly God's mercy may be arrested for the individual for the individual Jesus said in Luke's gospel as he warned about the coming day of his return and the wrath of God being poured out, he made this statement. Remember Lot's wife? Remember Lot's wife? And this in Genesis 19 is what he's referring to. There was no mercy extended to Lot's wife because she had abused his mercy. She'd abused his mercy. He had warned her. He'd even hastened her. He'd taken her by the hand. And she wouldn't accept what God offered. And his mercy was arrested. It was hindered. It was locked up. And in verse 26, his wife looked from behind him. And she became a pillar of salt. She wouldn't accept what God offered. And I wonder today if there's someone here who's been a recipient of God's mercy because you're here today. You're still alive. You're still breathing. You're still enjoying the comforts of life and so forth. And God has given, given to you his mercy. 
Have you abused it? Do you know Jesus Christ as your own personal savior? You realize that the wages of sin is death. The Bible says that. And the gift of God is eternal life. To whosoever believeth in him, they shall not perish but have eternal life. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Have you ever come? Have you ever come to God, prayed from your heart and your mind and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I was listening to the testimony of a missionary lady, a single lady who went to, was it New Guinea? I think it was New Guinea or Micronesia, somewhere over there. So. <clears throat> and uh, they dropped her and two others that spoke the language into a village by helicopter. And I don't know how old she was then, but she was an old woman then. She's 84 today. They dropped her by helicopter into this village of cannibals. And they witnessed to them, and, and eventually, in the process of time, uh, they told about the creator and his love for them and, and the son of God. And, and, uh, and they asked, and they said, you know, he came. You say, have any of you done wrong? I don't know if they use the word sin or not, but have any of you? Oh, yes, we've all done wrong. We've, we've eaten people. And we've, you know, we've all done wrong. They all raised their hands and so forth. And in the process of time, many of them came to know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. They had a church in the village. And about, you know, along in the teaching, they came to the idea of partaking of the Lord's Supper. Maybe I should save this for the last Sunday of the month. But they came to the idea of partaking of the Lord's Supper, and they read 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And so here's this missionary lady saying, oh, this morning we're going to do something new in the church. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. They got up in the morning, they went to the church, nobody around, nobody in the village, nobody at the church, and they thought, what happened to the, what's going on, and so forth, and they eventually found them hiding out in the jungle around them, and said, why, what's the problem, and so forth, oh, they said, 1 Corinthians 11, that talks about eating and drinking damnation to yourself, and so we don't dare. We've done all kinds of sins, all kinds of wrongs. We don't dare come and partake of the Lord's Supper, the, the, the communion. And so they had to do some more teaching in that regard. As we talked about last week, examine yourself. And so Now I get off a little bit on that. But are you here today as an individual who's still lost in your sins? still lost in your sins. And even now, the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart and saying, you're truly not saved. You've never been born again. You've never accepted the mercy, the mercy that I extend to you. You've never received my son as your own personal Savior. 
And if you're in that condition, then you've abused God's mercy. Instead, will you accept it this morning? Will you accept the mercy of God as he's brought you to this place to hear about his son, the Lord Jesus, and God's gift to you of eternal life. Let's bow for prayer. I haven't given an invitation. I don't know your hearts. I don't know who's here, who's visitors. I don't know your status and your relationship with the Lord Jesus. But there might be someone here who's never been saved, never been born again, and needs a savior, needs that mercy. Would you have the courage? Would you have the courage? And I'll not call you by name. I don't know your name. I won't point you out. But would you have the courage just to slip your hand up and by your uplifted hand, you're signifying, Pastor Hunt, I don't think I've ever been saved. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And I've truly abused God's mercy. I want to accept it. Would you have the courage to do that this morning? Man or woman? Young person? I don't know for sure if I'm saved, but I want God's mercy. I didn't see any hands, but Mrs. Stevens is here. I'm available. The deacons are available. Even Pastor Stevens would struggle to speak to you, but he'd be glad to show you how you can Receive God's mercy. And so, Heavenly Father, thou art a great God. Thou hast loved us when we're so unlovely. We're so unlovely. We're sinners. We're born in sin. We sin willingly. We sin regularly. And yet you extend mercy. So, Lord, as recipients of your mercy this morning, all here, those who know your mercy and those who've never experienced, it's still a recipient. You've given them life and breath today. Oh, Lord, I pray that no one will abuse it, abuse your mercy, and said, accept it. In Jesus' name, amen. In our last hymn, is only trust him number 478 number 478 and we'll sing just one stanza one stanza of 478 and notice only trust him now only trust him now because if you wait you abuse God's mercy Let's stand. We'll sing just the first stanza, 478. <clears throat> Come, every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord, and he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Oh, Trust him, only trust him, only trust him now.
Dismiss us from this place in your mercy. And may your mercy be extended further this week to all of us. From the healing of our pastor to those who are listed that are sick, to those that are absent this morning, and to those of us who continue on our ways. We need your mercy in Jesus' name. Thank you.